Beards for Radio. Um, welcome everybody to uh, Beards for Radio. I'm Sasha, and I'm Joe. And we got a few you know stuff to get to today. Um, we got to talk a little bit of the Walking Dead's past episode. We're gonna also talk, of course, the attorney, and we're gonna talk about Michigan, Michigan State. So we're gonna start off with um, the Spartans uh, beat them. My Michigan Wolverines, third time in a row. Um, it looked good for Michigan, but it always looks good for Michigan in the first half, you know. And then second half comes around, and they hang in the game. But they start to lose tread in the tires, and around seven, eight minutes left in the game, it's always like clockwork. They they, they struggle to play team ball, and they end up putting up these, you know, shots that do not need to be taken. And, you know, I don't know what it is, the last, you know, leg of the game, but they have, like, what I've noticed is they have young dudes, Brzezikas, Simpson, they're younger, younger guys, you know. Um, the older guys – they have like no defined leader. No one stepped up to be their leader. You know, their glue, the people to bring, bring them together. What, what you know, what what Cassius has done so well with the Spartans is he's not only been you know that playmaker on the court, but he's also been that glue to bring them together. You know, I think I think McQuaid is also a good leader, a vocal leader. You know, on the court too. I don't. I just don't see any kind of vocal leaders on the court now. I see Xavier, like I said, Xavier. Sometimes he quarterbacks it, like um, the uh, when when um, Brzezikas was bringing the ball up and he's you know snapped at Brzezikas, like give me the ball, bro, go to your spot. And then right. you know he looked all the way, kicked it back to Brzezikas. Brzezikas hit a big three, and he told oh, I told you, told you, trust me. It's like I feel like these guys, you know need more of those moments, more of those trusting moments where they trust these guys. I think Brzezikas is really green. Um, I, that's not saying that, that, that he will snap out of this, you know, freshman thing because I think he has a – I don't think he's a one and done. I think he has a couple years in Michigan to develop. But I, there's no defined leadership on this on this squad, and that's what really bugs me. I think Teskey's – you know, one of the guys that's been there, you know, has gone deep with, you know, with, with a Wagner, uh, um, he should step up and be more vocal of a leader, you know, but as big as he is seven foot one, you know, when he's getting, you know, fronted in the post by guards, he, you know, he's not that vocal of a leader and they don't have that. They don't have that on the court to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to wrangle it in when it's needed to be. And I think that's really detrimental to that team. Right, and I think when uh, Matthews gets back into his playing shape, I think maybe he can assume that role for the last couple games, you know, but he's almost done. He's almost out the door. Um, Yeah, and for Michigan State, you know, Cassius Winston, he's not even, like, their most vocal leader all the time. Like, I think Matt McQuaid uh, did a really good job, especially in Sunday. Um, You know, there was that that gruesome injury to Kyle Ahrens, who is – you know, real tight with Matt McQuaid. I think they're like best friends, roommates. You know, they came in together. Aaron's had to redshirt last year because of another injury. Go figure. Um, but yeah, McQuaid was really the story of the day for Michigan State. Like, I, Cassius Winston only scored 14 points, you know. <laughs> and um, McQuaid, every time he scored, it was on a three point play. He made 
seven three-pointers. He had uh, a few fakes. He had a really nice fake when he got the ball in the paint that got Brazdikas to jump, and then he banked it in. You know, Lefty. Yeah. In his freshman year, he pr- or maybe even his junior year, he would have tried to lay it up or dunk it or something. But as that, that savvy, that smart senior, he did the pump fake first, got Brazdikas in the air, waited for him, and then shot it, you know. That's a big difference because they were still on the comeback at that point to get that extra point, get the foul on Brazdikas. And, um, yeah, <laughs> all three games between Michigan and Michigan State, they were very, very similar. You know, you know what I'm getting at? Like, yes. Uh, there, were, there were definitely moments where in each game where Michigan could have taken it and ran with it. But I just think Michigan State right now, they're so – mentally strong even though they they do lack depth um you know they're kind of like they're kind of like backed into a corner right now because they don't have that depth they've had you know at least two key players missing every time they've played Michigan this year so it's kind of like the players that they have available have to play to the best of their ability and they kind of show it now um but yeah it's a shame that it was it was such a good game it was a classic like That'll go down as one of the best Michigan-Michigan State games in recent history for a long time. It'll be remembered as one of the better Big Ten championship games. And the NCAA selection committee apparently was not watching. No, um, apparently um, I I have a feeling that their bracket was already set before these games went down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They got it out of the way and, you know, it, they figured, you know, what will be, will be. Well, they weren't, they weren't expecting upsets. They were expecting certain teams to win their conference. You know what I'm saying? And to put Michigan State with Duke, you know, it's a heaven sent for my side. You know what I'm saying? For your side, it's like, what the, what the F? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you guys got to get out of that conference with, uh, against Duke. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that you, uh, State can't do it, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, State, state brings with them a heavy set of, uh, you know, uh, testicles when it comes to how they've been playing this, this this last leg of the season. So, you know, anybody can lose, you know, any given day of this tournament. But, yeah, I think I think the selection committee just had it locked in before any of these or at least half of the championship games had even you know tipped off so yeah. I think that's really I think they really need to take a look at that but then again I know every year there's going to be there's going to be schools that are going to be upset with where they're placed I get well, that but like so yeah. so like so blatant when it's so blatant you got to question it well you know I'll get into Michigan State's draw but it feels like every year it's a moving target with what the committee values you know, Michigan State last year was 28-3 and three in the regular season, but they were a three seed because they, they only had two quad one wins. Well, this year Michigan State had more quad one wins than anybody in the country by at least two games, right? Uh, right. They were 14-3 and three against teams that made the NCAA tournament. But Tennessee gets to jump over them because Tennessee had less bad losses. Well, Tennessee only had, I think, six or seven quad one wins. So which one do you value? Last year you said you valued the quad one wins. Um, So Michigan State having three losses, the teams that were in the NCAA tournament last year apparently meant nothing. But Tennessee, who lost by 20 on Sunday, 
uh, gets the benefit of the doubt over Michigan State team. That uh, let me run you through the teams that they lost to that are in the NCAA. Lost to Kansas in the opener by five when Kansas was at full go. Kansas has been down two starters since January. People forget that now because they look uh, terrible, but they were supposed to be competing with Duke for the top overall spot. And then um, Purdue, losing at Purdue, third game in a week, no Josh Langford, no Kyle Ahrens, and you lost by 10. That was their biggest loss numerically on the season, a 10-point loss. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I kind of skipped over this one, but Louisville. At Louisville, no Matt McQuaid. Uh, that was a quick turnaround from uh, coming back from Las Vegas. And, yeah, a four-point loss in overtime on the road. And, you know, I'm not even that upset that they got Duke's brackets because I think Duke should be more upset than Michigan State. Duke is supposed to have the easiest road to the Final Four as the number one overall seed. You think they're happy that they got a, a, a team that probably was as deserving as a number one seed as any other team in their region? You think they're happy they might have to play Michigan State on a two-day turnaround? Probably not. I mean, that, that, that is a way to look at it, you know what I'm saying? And, and, with, and with Michigan, I think, like, the selection committee thought, like, there's no way that B-Line's going to lose three times to Michigan State, you know what I'm saying? And it almost feels like Michigan State and Michigan's brackets should be flipped, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, in, in a sense, you know, especially how this last – you know, this last uh, the end of the season went down. How to how to uh, how the Big Ten championship went down? Yeah, it should be flipped. I agree with you. So it's just it just it makes no sense. It just leads me to believe that these brackets were done way not way before, but before the tip off season begun. Right. Hell, they might have been the brackets might have been finalized when Michigan had a thirteen point lead in the second half. Um, but yeah. If Michigan State wins their first game against Bradley on Thursday, um, which, by the way, you know, after playing three games in three days, ending on Sunday afternoon, both Michigan and Michigan State have to turn around and play on Thursday, which is kind of a disadvantage to the both of them. But if Michigan State wins, they're going to face a team that they've already faced this year in the second round. The NCAA committee is not supposed to let that happen. Generally, you're not supposed to see rematches until the Sweet 16 or beyond. But if Michigan State wins, they're going to play either Louisville, who I just mentioned they lost to without Matt McQuaid in uh, late November, mm-hmm. or they're going to face Minnesota, a Big Ten team. How the hell do you have uh, a potential Big Ten matchup in the second round, an interconference matchup in the second round? And then um, if they should they advance to the Sweet 16, they might be playing Maryland, in Washington, D.C., which is uh, like a 20-mile difference from Maryland's campus. It, it, it almost seems to me that this is – it's not about basketball. Maybe it's about TV and ratings. You know right. what I'm saying? So, like, if this is – if that's a case and it starts, like, there's blatant bull crap, like, as you see it in these brackets, do, do not – I don't want it to happen, you know, obviously because it's bullcrap, but it's like the tournament's like one of the purest things when it comes to figuring out a champion, you know what I'm saying, in all of sports, you know what I'm saying? It's like right. 64 teams and like, you know, 
you know, podunk teams getting in if they're if they're doing well for the year. You know, you got your Florida Gulf Gulf Coast, you got your, you know, in middle Tennessee, I don't want to really bring that up, but you have your your these guys that get to sneak in and you know it kind of makes it fair. Like don't do this, don't mess with it, you know. So I, I just it, right. it's just really getting annoying seeing seeing a pattern of um you know BS happen with you know what's going on. And I just honestly think I think it's for ratings. It's it's just for ratings, right. it's just to get eyes on everything, you know. Well, you know, I wasn't expecting a one seed for Michigan State. I thought they deserved it. I didn't think they were going to get it. Um, so, you know, I wasn't expecting that. But to be in the same bracket, not as Duke, but as two other Big Ten teams, uh, three teams you already faced during the season, and then look at Duke. They might have to play Virginia Tech, an ACC opponent, in the Sweet 16, hypothetically. So... I just I don't know. I've I've heard the excuse, oh, it's a really tough job. Oh, spare me. There's so many more difficult jobs out there than trying to pick sixty-eight teams to to compete for a basketball championship. Like spare me that excuse. Right. And it's it's 2019. It's it's not like they haven't been working on the algorithms for how long? It's not like they right. they don't have all these since, computers uh, since you know. last since last season ended. Right. They've been working on that kind of stuff. So Abs- yeah, absolutely. It's 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 they pay they pay someone around good money around the clock to do this kind of stuff. There's there's crazy math involved. There's there's software. There's algorithms involved. Yeah, that's it's a bunch of bullshit, dude. They they, they probably punched it in and said, okay, well we'll switch this up this up because how intriguing would this be? I think more people would watch this game than this game. Oh yeah, right. let's let's pit, let's pit let's pit um you know. Coaches that used to play this uh, at this school against uh, their, you know, new school, you know. So it's just like, you know, I, it's 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 beginning to sometimes be a little too bureaucratic for me. Sometimes it's just like, don't take that crap out of sports because sports is like one of the purest things left that we have that should not be touched. You know what I'm saying? In every in every aspect of sports you're seeing every day, it's just getting polluted somehow. You know, it's just like, geez, like leave college basketball alone, please. It's the only thing that I please, please don't touch. Do not touch. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. But, you know, getting back to um, the game itself, Michigan and Michigan state, um, you know, I'm not sure who it says more about the fact that these three games looked so similar that it was, you know, it each each time, all three games, it really was Michigan State just making the plays late. And I just – I wanted to ask you, what do you think this means about the direction of the rivalry? Because I know last year we talked about it and we certainly felt like it was shifting towards Michigan because they had won two last year, three in a row. But now if you look at it, it's three in a row in one season, first time that one team has beaten the other three times in a season. And in big picture, it's eight out of 11 have gone to Michigan State in basketball. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's – I don't think it's – I think it's going to be a back and forth. What, what, right. what, the cool, what the cool thing with me is is that the rivalry's back in basketball. You know what I'm saying? Because Beeline has – you know, developed that program, structured it. So I think the next person that comes behind him, and the same thing with Izzo, is going to just keep on that tradition. You know what I'm saying? So I think the rivalry is going to go back and forth. It's just Michigan State's had upper hand this year. 
You know what I'm saying? Could right. it next year? Could next year Brzezikas develop a little more with Xavier? You know, maybe, maybe Castleton becomes the next uh, 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 Mo Wagner. We don't know. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. uh, you know, it could switch because you know maybe you know you know McQuaid's not gonna be there next year. You know, Cassius is a junior. He might come back for his senior year unless he doesn't opt to go to the NBA because you know get in now, young man, and get your money because we know that you know his knees are all that good. So, yeah, it could switch next year. You know, Cassius could could stay, and that'd be the reason why you know Michigan State, you know, might go three zero again. They might go zero three again. They might split it. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But I'm just glad that the rivalry is there. That Michigan is finally in 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 talks of being in rivalry in the basketball realm. It's almost like when. You know, you know, Michigan State football started kicking Michigan's ass and been kicking Michigan's ass. You know, uh, you know, finally we got an in-state rivalry. We really didn't have that on in both sports. So to me, right. I'm I'm just glad it's there because you know you look at you look at other uh, other other uh, you know schools that have in-state rivalries. It's like ah, oh, we don't really have that. We just hate Ohio State. You know, say we just hate Notre Dame. You know, say now you can say that you either. That your inst- your two in-state institutions, the top ones, are rivals, dude, in both sports. You know what I'm saying? And they're and they're formidable in both sports in, in any given season. So I think I think that to me is, you know, the best thing about yeah. Michigan basketball coming up and like, you know, starting to starting to punch state in the back, say, you know, we're you know we're coming, we're here, you know. So yeah, I have to agree. That is the biggest takeaway. Is um. You know this. They say basketball is a game of uh, a game of runs. This rivalry has been a game of runs. Like every time Beeline has beaten Izzo, it's come in a three-game streak, and then Izzo has answered with a two-game or a five-game or another three-game streak. You know, it's been back and forth. We haven't seen like, um, you know, Michigan State wins, then Michigan wins, then Michigan State wins, then Michigan wins. It's been like three wins for this team, two for that one, four, five, whatever it is, what have you. You know, um. But yeah, one thing that Izzo kind of built his program on was having each team kind of leave their footprint in the sand, you know. And I just think it's a hell of a footprint for this Michigan State team. Like, not only did you win um, the Big Ten for the second year in a row, but you won it uh, in a 20-game conference – a 20-game conference schedule, sorry, uh, where eight of those teams went to the, the uh, NCAA tournament. And then you turn around and you won the Big Ten tournament title. And you did it without arguably your best scorer in Josh Lankford. And you did it without Nick Ward for, you know, loads of games. You did it without Kyle Ahrens for uh, a few games here and there and probably for the rest of the season now, uh, unfortunately for him. And um, like I said earlier, the first team in Michigan State history to beat Michigan three times in the same season. And I just think whatever happens from here on out, um, you know, with the rest of their careers, you know, Cassius Winston, Matt McQuaid, and Xavier Tillman, their legacy, unless they win a national championship, is going to be those three games right at the end of the season, like kind of compressed real close to each other. Because those three in each three games really stepped it up. Right, they'll, they'll forever be remembered for those games, kind of like Wolverine killers, at least in 2019. So, yeah, that's what I got to say about them. Uh, 
they just, you know, like I said, when, you know, I talk about streakability all the time, I'm kind of like weirdly calm when I see this Michigan State team down by 13 or down by 14 or even 20 because you know that's not going to be the final result. They might lose, but they're not going to lose like that. They're always going to put their best foot forward. If it was up to me, Michigan State would have lost on Saturday to Wisconsin and saved their energy. But obviously, I'm not a Hall of Fame coach with 602 wins to his name because they just they wanted to put their best energy, their best effort forward, and that's what they did, and they ended up winning another championship. So more power to them. Yeah, most definitely. And you know what? A lot of a lot of those coaches, a lot of those teams, you know, they use this as momentum to go into the tournament. I mean, you know, you're you're flying high, continue it. You know, you can fly higher. You know, why not? But um, yeah, I think what you said about you know the footprint of the team. I think the biggest footprint that they got left this year was by Izzo. I mean, you know, we you almost you almost saw like um, you know, a new trick. You know, he taught that taught that old dog a new trick, man. He, he he learned it, you know, and and he changed with it, and he's changing with this, you know, younger generation. And does that mean that he can stay stay longer? I think he can stay. I think that he's going to stay in Michigan State. You know, a head coach as long as he's with it. You know, what I'm saying as long as he can walk that sideline, that dude's going to be Michigan State's coach. And I, I think I think seeing the way that man coached this year was you know awe inspiring. I think any 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 coach from any sport could take from that. True. Yeah. Um, hard to argue. And like a, like John Beeline said, there's there's nothing to take away from Michigan. It's just sometimes. There are teams that are bad matchups for you. And Michigan State, at least when Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston are on the floor, is just a bad matchup for Michigan. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. True that. But, hey, man, so um, Michigan State plays Bradley. Um, Michigan plays, I think, Montana. Montana Grizzlies or Montana something. Yeah, second year in a row, Michigan is opening with Montana in the first round. That's kind of – another like head scratcher but right 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 it's like are they copying and pasting some of this stuff too you know (laughs) Uh, that's their algorithm copy paste shift around you know yeah I'll, i'll look at bradley first um you know just checking out their roster they don't have a ton of height or size you know i think this is the type of game where you really want to get nick ward uh, integrated, like he, you really get him feeling it. Like you know, he he had a few nice flashes during the three game stretch in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, he looked like his jump shot was still on par, but yeah, like Bradley, they got a six eleven dude, but he's two hundred twenty five pounds, so he weighs less than me. Hmm. Uh, they got a they got a seven one dude who's two hundred forty pounds, uh, but he's a freshman. Uh, they got a whole lot of like six 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 seven type players. Um, so yeah, I think Tillman should get the start. Uh, but when Ward comes in, I think he's really gonna try to find his groove. Um, yeah, from what I've heard about Bradley, they're kind of like Michigan in the regards that like if they're hitting their shots, then they're they're a tough out. But they're gonna at some point possibly become maybe over reliant on the three pointer, which isn't necessarily to say like Michigan is, but Bradley is for sure. And they're kind of streaky. So, you know, hoping that uh, Michigan State takes care of business in this one. But 
Yeah, I think if if Michigan State finds himself in a rut, this is going to be the type of game where they're like, wow, glad we have Nick Ward back. We can just dump it down to him. Sometimes he's a black hole once he gets the ball in the post, but sometimes that's a good thing, and I think that'll be the case on Thursday. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, know, know too much about Montana. Do you have them pulled up too? Like, what are they about? Um, well, you know, just based off of their game versus Michigan last year, they're a very uh, defensive-minded team. You remember last year, the first it – was, it was like a really slow start. But Montana kind of built a, a 10-0 lead over Michigan. Um, and it took a while. And, you know, as soon as Michigan turned it on, it was gone like that. Right. But they're, they're a very sound defensive team from what I've heard. Uh, I don't know how many players they returned from last year, but um, it, I, think it's, I think it's kind of a tough opener for Michigan, especially seeing as how Montana might not be intimidated by Michigan, seeing as how, you know, we played them last year, uh, maybe as close as anyone not named Houston, and then Michigan went on to the championship game. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've – I'm kind of like you. I don't know too much about them. I'm just going based off of what last years. Yeah, yeah. And if they, and if they have a slew of uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, then you know that you know these these are the same kind of guys that played Michigan last year, and they're going to be a, a tad bit better. You know, so yeah. Looks like they have a few seniors. I don't know who their starters are, but they got a lot of players on their team. That's kind of weird. Looks like more than 13, but <laughs> they got someone named Ben Carter. Yeah. Watch him like watch him and like light him up. You probably you, you'd get a kick out of that, Joseph. I would I would get a kick out of if the uh, if their coach was playing some kid named Ben Carter over a mega talented potential lottery pick, but yeah, maybe <laughs> that's a different story. But yeah, so how far do you have uh, state going? Um, if they make it out of the second weekend, let's book him for the final four. What the hell? I think. Uh, I think let's Michigan, Michigan State, round four in the final four. That would be a dream come true, Joseph. <laughs> but I don't think Michigan's gonna get. If they get past second round, I, I see them losing in the third. So I don't. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I love Michigan. I love my Wolverines, you know, and they were on a tear at the beginning of the year. And I just don't know what's happening. Jordan F- Pools fell apart. Brzezikas is there in the first half. He, he's gone the second half. You know, I, I don't want to see the kissing of the crowd or the money symbols no more. You know what I'm saying? Until, like, you actually did something. I, I love the fact that he's cocky. He's headstrong. Very competitive. But, you know, it, there's a time to do that, man. You know, if you're up 30, yeah, time to do that. But you weren't up. And Michigan State's came back on you twice and beat you guys twice from behind the same way. First half, you guys are lights out. Second half, you guys are lights off. You know, and then you guys lose the lead. So I, I don't want to see Brozdikas be doing this stuff no more. And I want to see Teske uh, step up and be a little bit more uh, of a bruiser in the post. And Xavier needs to hone these guys in. He needs to be – like I said, he needs to quarterback these guys, and he needs to have these guys trust him. They need to trust each other and play some team basketball. Yeah. Um, it's kind of jogged my memory, but I thought just an iconic play from 
the Big Ten Tournament Championship game on Sunday that really showed how far Cassius Winston has come as an individual, as a, a team player, as a leader. You know, he it used to be a miracle if you could get him to play any defense. And with like three minutes left in the game and Michigan State to come back, I believe they were down by two, shot clock expiring. He stuffed a Xavier Simpson shot. Like, you know what play I'm talking about, where he just straight up, as soon as Xavier had his shooting motion going, Cassius's hand was on the ball, blocked, shot clock violation. That, to me, was iconic. Like, I don't know. I can't say enough about that play in, in particular. Like, I was kind of back and forth all day, like, you know, Michigan State might lose and it probably won't be a big deal. But as soon as that play happened, I was like, oh, no, this is Michigan State's game. Michigan State's winning it now. Like, no question about it. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people are saying, like, Michigan got the easiest draw with Gonzaga. Like, people forget Gonzaga beat Duke when Duke was fully healthy and Gonzaga was down one of their starters. Um. I know Gonzaga also had a terrible, terrible loss to St. Mary's in their uh, conference tournament, but I, I'm not totally buying the uh, the narrative that Gonzaga is the weakest one. I think Michigan, if they were in North Carolina's bracket, like they they should be breathing a sigh of relief because they've already faced North Carolina. They took it to them, albeit you know in December at home, but still. Right. Yeah. And Gonzaga has Gonzaga has Hachimuria. Hachimura, yeah. I re- I really like him. He's he's going to be a top ten pick. I think so he's the one that didn't play against Duke, and they still beat Duke very early in the season, but still. Right. So uh, yeah, they're, they're nothing to scoff at. Definitely nothing to scoff at. Right. And again, I think Michigan State's at a disadvantage. Um, if they win Thursday on Saturday, they got to turn around to play a team that has already faced them. I I just think that's kind of um. That has me more nervous than anything else because, you know, you Michigan State for so for the last 20 games and Michigan too, they were playing a bunch of teams that know their style. So it's like right. getting into the NCAA tournament is supposed to be like a breath of fresh air for teams to finally like get out of their conference and it's back to like, you know, just your pure ability as a team and not facing a team that has been prepping for you for the last 10 years. You know, so oh, absolutely, absolutely. The fact that Michigan State might be playing Minnesota in in the second round, like, you sh- there's no reason for two conference teams to be matching up. Like when I was watching the selection show, and I was like crossing my fingers, like I didn't think we'd be, I didn't think State would be a one seed, but I was like, just don't be in Duke's bracket. And you know, they were the last team announced in Duke's, Duke's bracket. But I saw the Louisville Minnesota matchup at the seven and ten. I was like, okay, Michigan State's definitely not the two seed in this thing because they already played both those teams. And then when you know it, they are. So that scares me. Um, You know, if they get to the Sweet 16, they could be playing LSU, who doesn't have a coach at the moment, but they do have talent, and they are playing for a teammate who, uh, you know, died before the season. And, you know, but if they're not playing LSU, they could potentially be playing Maryland, another Big Ten team. Uh, and again, in Washington D.C., just a just a brisk drive from Maryland's campus. So, even before we get into the Michigan State Duke discussion, which I hope we'll we'll get into on a future episode, uh, 
there are some barriers for Michigan State. Oh yeah, but, most definitely. But like you said, if they if they play with uh, two metal, two <laughs> five ton testicles between their legs, then um, who gives a shit who's in front of them? Right. You know, sometimes sometimes uh, grit, tenacity, the human will, you know, trumps trumps uh, talent in, in, in a lot of cases. You know, and we've seen it. You know, we've seen it going to work. Pistons put the put the uh you know beat the brakes off the uh, a talented Lakers team you know what I'm saying so you know it could happen and this is the tournament so anything can happen and you know the the selection committee selected it it's whatever it's there and now these guys need to you know put put on their big boy uh, underwear and and go to work you know that's just that's just how it goes you know life's not fair sometimes but you, you can't do nothing about it you're just going to have to prove them wrong this episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion, Clothing, and Design. 100% original. Visit far-ebar.com to add the next great addition to your wardrobe. You know, they're just kind of like rolling right along. We had a little bit of a flashback episode. We got to see where Daryl and Michonne got their scars from, you know, those X scars. And other than that, you know, it didn't really progress too much in the current story aside from uh, Michonne and Judith decided to give, um, you know, Daryl and the mute girl and Lydia and Henry a ride into the kingdom. And then we see one of a couple whisperers like, oh, we're going to go tell Alpha about this one, you know, so. Uh, we'll probably have a filler episode next week and then like it'll all build up to the season finale for season nine. So, yeah. So so yeah. what did you what did you think about you know the, the Mushon flashback of her pregnant looking for Judith because you know her one of her ex friends that she grew up with is like happened to Yeah, Jocelyn is kidnapping all these kids. I think the I think the coolest part of it was after I watched it, I was like me and my wife were watching. I was like, "That was, that was a cool edited scene." Is that when she when Mushon came out with her sword, and she goes kill all her kids, and all those little and all those little and all the kids started attacking her, and she had no other choice but to right. kill these kids. And it, it, and like the deaths got edited with her modern day zombie slaying. I thought that back and forth and like the zombies representing the kids as she was killing them, dude, was just like, I was like, that was one of the coolest edited scenes I've seen on Walking Dead in a minute. I think it was very, it, it really got its point across, you know what I'm saying? And um, without showing, you know, a, a brutal massacre of, you know, little preteens, you know what I'm saying? So I thought that like that, that part was like, you know what, refreshing because some of these episodes lately have kind of like dragged on, you know, you know, last episode with the whole fight with beta was, was really sweet. I'll give that to them. But like that scene where she cuts down those kids and they added it with her slaying zombies and looking for, uh, you know, a little older Judith is, that was really killer. I love that scene. That's the power of editing, man. Absolutely. That's, yeah, I think you know it, it kind of played into who Michonne is now. You know, she's so slow to trust people, even her friends at the hilltop and the kingdom. Well, it's because 
this friend that she knew from way back before the uh, zombie or walker apocalypse happened, betrayed her to the worst degree, like tortured her, kidnapped her children, uh, tortured one of her best friends, Daryl, um, and then tried to have all her minion kids kill her. So if she can't trust this person who kind of like represented life before the zombie apocalypse, then who can she trust? These uh, strangers that Judith brings in? No, she can't trust them. Can she trust the people at the hilltop? No, she can't trust them. You know, so I think that did do a good job of kind of showing us why Michonne all of a sudden has these trust issues more so than she had before we made that six-year jump. Uh, well said, Joe. Well said. And you see that's why she has trust issues. I, you, you, you said I couldn't have said it any better, man. But, um, yeah, uh, future episodes of Walking Dead. Obviously, there's two episodes left. We're going to see some stuff go down. Hopefully, we have some good stuff to talk about you know, in the next few episodes about the main storyline. Um, let's go jump onto the Marvel uh, Infinity War Endgames. What do you guys, what do you think about the whole thing, Joe? Like, is it is it like capturing you? Did you go see Captain Marvel yet? You know, what's going on? I haven't seen it yet. I do plan to uh, hopefully this week. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm going to go see Endgame. Um, anybody who's been even moderately following the MCU is going to go see it. And I'm curious to see what happens to Tony Stark because I believe uh, reports have come out. This is Robert Downey Jr.'s last appearance as Iron Man, Tony Stark, whatever. And, you know, to- um, Iron Man and Nebula were both on Titan together when everyone else dissipated. And then we see in the first Endgame trailer, we see Tony Stark talking into the Iron, Iron Man mask projector. But at the end of the newest trailer, we see everybody walking in their new uh, unis and we see Nebula in the background. So I'm wondering if they traveled together, if both of them made it, if they did travel together. Or if maybe maybe Tony Stark dies uh, before he can reach Captain America and everybody else, and that kind of propels them or something like that. So I definitely have some questions just based off of the trailer. So it did its job because I want to see it even more so. Can't wait till I think April 27th when it comes out. But wasn't Tony Stark floating in a spaceship? Yeah. So, 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 do we think he got off with Nebula, and you know she's at another part of the ship, and he's just by himself doing that little thing for Pepper Potts? So, um, I, I, I don't know, but what, what I just want to know what is going to be Captain Marvel's whole role in this? You know, what I'm saying, and like, I don't want it. I don't want it to be political. I don't want it to be bureaucratic because I'm already seeing like, oh, she's a, she's the strongest superhero in the MCU. It's like. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out, okay? And I've been reading not only that Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be with the MCU anymore for Iron Man. I heard Chris Hemsworth not going to be Thor no more. I heard Ruffalo's not going to be Hulk no more. Um, and there's another one, I believe, that, that, that that's trying to step down. It's going to step down as well. So, uh, you know, are we going to start seeing the core of the Avengers gone? Oh, yeah, Chris, uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans not going to be uh, Captain America no more. So, yeah, Hulk... 
you know, you got Hulk that's not going to be there no more. You got Thor that's not going to be there no more. You got, you know, Captain America that's not going to be there no more. Iron Man that's not going to be there anymore. So it's like, are they going to start moving off into other characters? Which I hope they do, you know, I, because I think just like I just saw how I am with, with DC, I think they hang their hat too much on, you know, the Justice League characters and, and Green Lantern is that they have other great characters in their world that they can, you know, branch off on, you know, like I, like I'm watching Doom Patrol right now. It's not too bad. I, you know, I watch the Titans, you know, that's really good too. You know, they have other characters, both on Marvel and DC, you know, uh, you, uh, worlds. So like, I would like to see them expand on that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sad that these four, you know, main characters are stepping back. You know, I, I want to see Marvel branch out. But the thing is, is, man, they can really, really, really fail, dude. They can really fail to, let's say, the, you know, the actual fanboys, the real comic book people. You know what I'm saying? You know, are they going to cater to them or are they going to cater to the side of things? You know what I'm saying? I already said this before. I think Marvel got sweetened up a little bit now that, you know, Disney bought them. DC is, you know, like you said, it has that you know, abysmal, dismal feel to it, you know what I'm saying? Which I think, you know, which, which, um, I think the older I get, I want to see that, you know what I'm saying? I like that, you know, I want to see that, you know, I, I don't mind the humorous stuff like Shazam, you know, it might cause, it, it calls for humor, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, it calls for humor, you know, Thor Ragnarok calls for humor, the dark world, not so much, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, yeah. You know, you know, but don't make everything follow the same. I felt, I felt once Guardians of the Galaxy came out, man, every other Marvel movie after that was uh, explosions, fights, and little funny and funny quips. You know, and sometimes it does not need to be like that all for, for everything. You know, especially some like me, I want to see a little darker. Right, and I think that's what we're gonna get with Endgame. Um, even though you do have, you know, Ant Man and Rocket, and, um, you know, a few more quippy, quippy people. Star-Lord. Well, Star-Lord was uh, dissipated, or whatever the term is. Uh, yeah, but so when, maybe, maybe when we don't see un- him until the end. Yeah, he might unsnap, and then they might unsnap, and everyone comes back, and there's just going to be, like, overlo- like an overload of stupid-ass quips. Yeah. <laughs> how it's gonna be but yeah like you said i'm interested to see the role of captain marvel because i haven't seen uh captain marvel the movie yet i don't know if you have Uh, no i have not okay Uh, i definitely plan to but yeah i I definitely want to see why is she the one that nick fury called in this specific instance and not when um Loki and the Chitari were all coming in the first Avengers or, you know, in um, Winter Soldier when all of Hydra's, or not Hydra's, um, all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secrets were going to be let loose or something like that. Um, right. Like, why is she, why are her needs specifically uh, fit, why, why are her abilities, I should say, why are her abilities specifically fit to match the needs of this specific situation. So it raises a lot of questions. Maybe, maybe some of them will be answered in Captain Marvel, but 
Only time will tell. And like I said, I hope I can get to seeing it this week. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really wanting to see it too. And another thing is that, you know, she was, you know, this movie took place in like what the '90s or something like that. I think so. Yeah. Where was, where was she this whole time? There's been like, there's been like devastating stuff happening to Earth, you know, since like Iron Man one. Where's she been for like twelve years? Where's she been? You know, I want to know that. You know, is she gets lost in kind of time warp, or was she too busy kicking ass on some other planet? Like. Like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened on Earth, lady, that, that needed your help. You know, I, I want to know where she was. I want answers. You know, she better have one hell of an alibi for me to forgive her. But <laughs> but jumping ju- jumping over, let's speak on James Gunn, dude. I like, like, this is exciting for me. I don't know how exciting it is for you. I know that James Gunn is doing Suicide Squad 2, right? Which I found <laughs> out that Will Smith is not going to be in it. His character is being replaced by Edris Elba. Which I can't, can't hate it. I love Edris Elba. Um, Me too. He's got a bit of a deeper voice than uh, Will Smith, but yeah, and I, th- and I think he's a little, yeah, I think he's a little more uh, gritty too. But go on, what were you to say? I'm just sure people will be able to get over that because we all love Idris Elba. Anyways, cool. can, uh, go on. <laughs> yeah, and then and now I we we hear that James Gunn's double dipping from the DCU, the DC world to the MCU. Back to getting rehired as Guardian of the Galaxy 3's, you know, director, producer, whatever he does. And do you, you know, do you agree with Disney bringing him back to do the Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, yeah, because, you know, tweets are, uh, tweets are just, they're nothing. Like in the whole grand scheme of thing, like they don't always represent like what your real opinion is. You can't tell tone or sarcasm or legitimacy, or even if it was someone else posting on the account we have before on the screen. So, you know, we talked about it when the news broke that he was fired and we both kind of disagreed with the firing. So yeah, I am super happy to see that he is back uh, because like, like we said, the guardians of the galaxy movies, they really changed the whole direction of the MCU. And I think for the better and a lot of, a lot of superhero series, you don't want to see them reach three films. Like two is enough, maybe even one in some cases, but you know, you got this, this band of characters that I think can go on for a while, maybe hopefully not too long, but at least one more movie between them should be good. And, you know, he, he didn't just direct the guardians of the galaxy movies. Like, excuse me he also directed their parts in avengers infinity war so i don't know if he had any hand in avengers endgame with their roles or anything like that but i'm very glad he's back i don't think someone should be fired for a bunch of old tweets that are kind of joking i mean not to get political but look at our president and how active he is on twitter (laughs) and Like, it's just, it's not a big deal. So I'm glad he's back. I think it's for the best. And honestly, that's the one I'm looking forward to is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because how do you follow up those first two movies? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And and then you can't have that bomb with somebody who doesn't understand the humor and the glue 
of the characters. You know what I'm saying? I think James Gunn understands right. it. I think I think James Gunn really studied these characters. Everything probably got every kind of scripture, every kind of comic book, every kind of novel that was on, you know, about Guardians of the Galaxy. And he really studied and he really understood what the psyche of these uh of these characters are and he kind of made it his own in a way and you know with the with the whole Twitter thing, yeah, man. I mean, like some of the tweets I read were like ridiculously, like okay, James, cringe, cringe worthy, and I'm sure he yeah. knows that. But like, how many times have I've I, I've we've joked, I've joked on stupid, stupid stuff like that before at work. People joke like that left and right. I don't really honestly think that James Gunn is, Gunn is going to go out there and, and and rape a little kid that's sitting next to him. I don't think he's going to do that. He's not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. you know, but, you know, and, and he didn't come out and exactly say that. He said something of, you know, like to that effect, but he's not really going to do that. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and if you hold everybody to what they do, wouldn't shouldn't Quentin Tarantino be arrested for being a psycho? You know what I'm saying? Oh, right. Quentin Tarantino is a a psycho. You know what I'm saying? It's like he I've seen him I've seen him get uh, being uh be uh pissed off at interviews like you know like no I'm not fucking nuts. It's just like you 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 got to kind of get in that mindset to you know put out your art. I'm not saying you know getting in the mindset of raping little kids to get him to be a better uh director for Guardians of the Galaxy, but just just because you laugh at something or you know you, you you make a movie like like a tarantino movie or you make a tweet like that doesn't mean next time you necessarily you represent that 110 percent do i think james gunn's stupid for putting out those tweets oh absolutely do i think he's remorseful right. about it oh absolutely but um I, i'm glad that they brought him back and i hope he as a person learns from this and i hope the world and, and and James Gunn's fans and people who've been following the story kind of learn from it too, because you know what? Not everybody's perfect. We are human. You know what I'm saying? And if we were perfect, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fake. You're, you're faking to me. You're lying to me. I don't believe it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I believe people can change. I'm a big, big, strong believer on that. And he didn't do nothing to the, to the effect of, you know, oh my God, you're you're not coming back from this. You know what I'm saying? It was a couple of harmless right. tweets. You know, were they did were they tasteless? Some of them were. I get it, but you know what? Someone shouldn't be railroaded or blackballed because of this. And, and you know what? And any whatever, even whatever your political view is, left, right, middle, you know, far left, far right, you know, people shouldn't be, you know, have to lose their jobs, their livelihoods, their careers be tarnished because they made one stupid mistake that was. That didn't even hurt anybody. Yeah, on Sunday I saw some Michigan fan um, tweeting some messed up shit about Kyle Lawrence after his injury. So I told him to go kill himself. Do I actually <laughs> want him to kill himself? Uh, probably not. Depends. I don't actually know the guy. But you know, should I've been fired from my job for tweeting kill yourself to someone who was making fun of a 20-year-old who just got injured? No. And I didn't lose my job, thankfully. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so. Yeah. And me as a Michigan, as me as a Michigan fan, I put out there like, Hey, you know, I, I put out there on Facebook, all fandom aside, you never, you never want to see no. somebody get hurt, especially a young, especially a young man. And my wife, my wife got choked up when it happened because you know what I'm saying? We have a, I, you know, I'm a father, you know, if yeah. something like that happened to my kid, bro, I don't know what I would do. He was screaming. 
he was screaming on the freaking court, dude. That guy, that kid was screaming on the court. That looked fucking painful. You know what I'm saying? When someone's screaming on the court, I don't give a fuck. You know, I, you know, TJ, uh, TJ Lane got a, got a concussion. Yeah. I'm telling you, TJ Lane got a concussion. Dude was crying on the, on, on the, on the football field. Those aren't, those guys aren't pussies for doing that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when, when I see stuff like that, when people, you know, my heart goes out to anybody, fandom aside, everything not. When you see people like that, Joe, that put a tweet out like that, that says, oh, ankles are supposed to be like that. That person, dude, is an asshole in real life. You know why, man? Because if someone snapped their, their leg, if he was there and you watched him snap that leg and still would laugh at that kid, dude, there's something wrong with him, man, and maybe he should kill himself. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, especially someone like Kyle Ahrens, like he missed all of last season with a broken leg. He broke – uh, his his other leg in high school, his senior year, uh, he'd been playing through pain all season with a bad back. You know, every time, and he he still like will dive after loose balls, and um, you know, hit the deck after a dunk. You know, trying to draw a foul or something like that. So like to see him screaming out in pain like that, you know, it's not it's not nothing. Right. Because the kids, how many people can play basketball, one of the fastest paced games, back and forth? with a bad back a lot of people can't walk with a bad so you know you saw how much he meant to his teammates with everybody crying on the court and it's it's unfortunate and at that point that was when i i thought you know michigan state shouldn't have even been playing that game um you know for those reasons it, it could have been anybody like not not to take away from kyle Lawrence because he he's a very key player to michigan state but that could have easily been Cassius Winston. That could have easily been Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, you know, name your player. Right. But, you know, you can get hit by a bus just walking out, you know, walking out across the street when it's your turn to walk, you know. So you, you can't live your life and feel like that, you know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But, yeah, I feel terrible for the kid. So thankful it's only a sprain uh, for his sake because – he, you could see from the look on his face, he thought it was broken or fractured or something, and he said he said that sprain was, in that moment, it felt worse than when he had broken his leg, so that that tells you something. Yeah, I thought for sure he shattered it. I thought for sure his ankle shattered, but you know, uh, I I'm glad that it's just a high sprain and it, and it's no surgery. So, yeah, um, like I said. It's almost it's almost time for the madness. We got the two playing games, and then you know it's finally tip off time on Thursday. I can't believe we're a year removed from March Madness of last season. Like that doesn't feel that long ago, but you know I just I feel so much different uh, on this Michigan State team than I did last year. Like last year, a whole bunch of people were picking Michigan State to win the national title. Um, you know, after the selection show, and I did not get it. I didn't see it with that team. I didn't see the mental toughness that this team has. I didn't see the offensive fluidity that this team has. And I see those things now, but no one's going to pick them because they're in the same region as Duke. And I kind of prefer that. I don't want people talking about Michigan State like like they have been in the past couple of years. So I'm glad I'm glad they'll fly under the radar for that reason, at least. And the and first first round is Thursday, correct? That's right. Uh, Michigan State plays at a little before three, and the Michigan plays, I think, around nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah. 
Thursday. Yeah, and, and uh, we should do a cast probably uh, maybe uh, between first and second round or after, right after second round, but we should be there around that time. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll both be able to see Captain Marvel by then. Absolutely, absolutely, because um, I think we're going to have to. You have to. If we're going to we talk about Endgame, you know, we have to see Endgame. We have to see Captain Marvel. It's uh, a snowbrainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think that's it, you know, for Michigan State. I'm so, <laughs> so happy that uh, they got a third win over Michigan. But from the Michigan side, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of because they're still a very good team. Uh, you know, half their losses came to the same team. So, <laughs> um, and we also touched on The Walking Dead, and we're kind of building towards the season finale and hopefully the series finale, as we've talked about so many times, and uh, the latest trailer for Avengers Endgame and also the following news of James Gunn making his return to the Guardians of the Galaxy universe which is really cool yeah I'm excited about that Joe but hey man um, I guess until next time I'm Sasha and I'm Joe and this was Beards for Radio see you guys later thanks for listening